morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Nicole BZ, and you are listening to You Know Everything. See, that's all the intro that I need. No more chit-chat about the intro. I'm pretty sure I've said that before. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining me, especially with all of my fun idiosyncrasies. Synchronicities? Syncraticies? Let's just ignore that. We are off to a really good start. I want to talk about creative leadership today, and I have a whole module in the anti-business school on creative leadership. Oftentimes, and maybe this was more when I first started, but I noticed that even just the term leader, let alone creative, let alone creative leader, is a very loaded concept. A lot of the people that would consider themselves to be artists, to be rebels, rule breakers, and trailblazers, they don't really respond well to leaders. They consider themselves to be a little bit of a punk or a little bit of a solo flyer, someone who operates best on their own. And so simply redefining your concept of leadership and what a leader is, is the first step. And you've heard me say this many times. I don't care if you're leading a team. I don't care if you're leading an organization. I don't care if you've got a family. I don't care if you're a solo flyer. You are always and will forever be a leader because you got one real important person. You got a wrinkle and that is you, my friend. So with that, let's explore what creative leadership is, why it's probably going to be the most powerful way of approaching yourself and your life and your business moving into the 21st century. And how creative leadership truly defines some of the most dynamic and impactful organizations in the world. You can apply this, again, to any scope, any sized project, organization, or like individual. So again, I have a whole module on this shit. Like it's going to be a lot more than can be covered in a podcast episode. I'm pretty sure Harvard Business School has an entire semester on this shit, you know? So uh, yeah, it's it's a thing. I didn't coin the term myself. Creative leadership is a different way of approaching leadership. And I define it sort of based on all of the research and, and studies and things that I've looked into alongside my experience and my experience in working with really, really, I don't even want to say dynamic, like contagious compelling cult-like leaders, the type of leader that you see them and you're just like, I don't know what they're having, but I'll take two, please, where they don't even have to ask. You just want to follow. That is an energetic style of leadership. That is something we are going to talk about. But importantly, let's just figure out and come to terms with like what is creative leadership. So I define it as bold breakthrough execution that sheds outdated systems, process, and values to create original and at times radical solutions. Once again, bold breakthrough execution that sheds outdated systems, process, and values to create original and at times radical solutions. So this might speak to some of my more spiritual-minded people, but this is the rewilding of leadership. This is the undoing of conventional leadership. This is the ability to acknowledge what is and what could be and hold space for both. So as a leader, you are also expected to be able to predict the future, to bring in the change necessary, to create the desired results, not necessarily the results that we're getting. Oftentimes we're dealing with crises. We're putting out fires. We are having to fix things from the past, maybe things that we weren't even a part of or present for, but all of a sudden are showing up again in our present reality. And so we're juggling past, present, and future all right now. Whew. Let's just take a moment because even just saying that overwhelmed me. So 
A creative leader is someone who is able to not just participate in, but embrace the cycle of change. I'll just link to one of those podcasts in the show notes because I talk so much about the cycle of change, but it's so easy to forget, especially when we are in the play stage. We've got all the cards. We're simply having fun. We don't know where it's going to go. And we're forgetting that at some point this game is going to end, that at some point someone might beat us or we might get dealt a really crappy hand or we might just decide that like the risks and the, the ante, if you will, is just getting too big. And so we're going to toss it in. Most of us are so busy anticipating the shuffle and the deal cycles in the cycle of change. And I use this poker analogy where, you know, there's four cycles, we're shuffling, we're dealing, we're playing, and then we're tossing it in, right? And so in business and I mean, in life and in everything, we're, we're generally experiencing one of those four stages at any given moment, each one of which demands a slightly different way of thinking and engaging and planning and reporting and improving, et cetera. But we forget like the next stage is just around the corner. The only constant is change. So if we're not ready for it, if we're not embracing for it, if we're not planning for change, we're absolutely limiting the ability to be creative in our own work and our own leadership. But we're like putting our heads in the sand and we're ignoring what is inevitable. Now, depending on the size of the organization that you're in, some organizations literally cycle through leadership in anticipation of this change. And they know that when they're in a scaling phase of their business, they need a leader who is adept at scaling organizations, someone who knows what it's like to take an organization from 10 to 100, from 100 to 1,000, from 1,000 to 10,000 employees, right? But that's a very different person that is managing cultural change, that is trying to switch complete markets or potentially industries or redesign product, looking at someone who has successfully launched a company or an organization interstate or international, very different skill set than someone who has navigated a pandemic or a financial crisis, right? So sometimes we're planning on just replacing leadership. Other times we've got a really, really tuned in leader who is able to be with the organization from foundation to retirement. That's not as common these days because what we're witnessing, I think, in I mean, just in fucking every single thing about being alive is how quickly things are changing. And finding someone who's just going to stick through, like stick it out with a company is just not, it's not as common as it used to be, that's for sure. And, you know, even just employees that are planning on staying with companies for their entire life. I mean, I personally think that's just a thing of the past. But the point being, by embracing change, by acknowledging what is and what could be, by understanding that we will essentially be needing to reevaluate our desire results by breaking our own rules. That to me is creative leadership. We're actually fostering the celebration of failure, of making mistakes. So an example that came to mind and I was sort of pondering how to really break down creative leadership. I work with a client who is in a very, very large organization. And whether or not you're self-employed, you're your own boss, you're a freelancer, you're creative, you're an artist, or you're currently still, you know, wearing those golden handcuffs, I think you're going to be able to relate to this story because meetings are another four-letter word. And a lot of the times we roll our eyes at the idea of having meetings because in an organization that doesn't embrace change, in an organization led by a leader with a fixed mindset, meetings become progress reports. They catch everyone up on what we've been doing. They are a highlight reel. We're not using them to identify problems. 
We're not using them to brainstorm or come together to create really disruptive solutions. We're just trying to get the approval of our peers so that we can move on with our day. Now, why is this happening? Oftentimes it's because we're in an organization that doesn't celebrate failure. And when I say that, it's, I mean, unfortunately with top-down, up-down communication, failure is considered a blame game. So if there's a problem at, on the field, the, at the infantry level, the, the people who are engaging with your customers, clients, buyers, one-to-one, -one, they're the ones getting blamed, right? They're not making the sales numbers. They're not taking enough calls. They're not getting enough products over the line. They're not able to manufacture and put together the products in enough time. They are under-resourced. That gets passed up to some level of management or leadership. Now that person's metrics are simply based on can they meet their quotas? Can they meet their targets? So when they're not able to do that, they also might be dealing with unrealistic expectations. They might be struggling in their own creative leadership skills. And so as things kind of move up in their reporting and in the organization, they're continually being watered down. The buck is being passed to the team below them or potentially the team on either side of them so that they look good. They're not really identifying the problems. They're not even really sh sure of like where these problems are starting. So a way that meetings can be transformed in this way of radical leadership is to use them to actually be problem problem identification spaces, where instead of bringing your highlight reel of everything you did last week or this month or where you're at in terms of meeting your metrics, what you talk about is where things are going wrong. You openly discuss, I'm not going to be meeting my quarterly targets. I am having troubles with some of these employees. I'm not getting people to show up or I'm not getting the efficiency of work done. What am I doing wrong? Where we're acknowledging the fact that we don't have a solution in this moment and that is actually being celebrated. And by bringing this opportunity, aka problem, to the team, perhaps we can resource each other. We can step laterally to see things from a different perspective. We can undo what has been done in order to create something new. And that is actually what is fostered, what is supported, what is explored. And we are also in that moment reevaluating some of the expectations, some of the metrics. Now, for some of you who are funded by private equity firms or have set very unrealistic timelines and budgets for yourself, this might feel like a fantasy land. Okay, maybe it is. Maybe there's a completely different way of thinking about this. And this is where creative leadership comes into place. It's when you're willing to erase everything up until this moment, start fresh, start clean, and just throw spaghetti at the wall. We'll get into that in a minute. But I want to use a, a less sort of like esoteric example. So I have a client who worked in the fashion industry for years and years before going out on her own. And she came out of New York, probably one of the fastest moving industries, cities, places, leadership places, like whatever, New York moves fast and fashion moves fast. So the model for a successful business in fashion that she had studied and experienced for ages was not sustainable and not sustainable for a lot of different reasons, not just sustainable for her in her own individual work, but not sustainable for business, not sustainable for the world, not sustainable for the local economies. Like the expectations that were set in that industry in order to meet consumer expectations, to meet profit expectations, to meet manufacturing expectations was essentially taking advantage of a lot of different people. And I mean, not just taking advantage, but putting people in life-threatening situations. So when she decided to start her own business, she knew that she was going to be going at it from a slow and sustainable perspective. So finding materials that were eco-conscious, paying people what they were worth, 
building timelines and deadlines around what was doable and sustainable. Now, all of these things very much affected the way that she's worked up until now. She frequently had to approach her own expectations, her own desire to create and produce and remind herself what was will not be. She had massive goals, financial, production, numbers. And when we sat down at the end of the first year, she was in business and looked at them. On the one hand, you know, to meet her financial targets, it felt really doable. But on the other hand, she'd probably have to sacrifice some of the values that she held so dear in the creation of this business. So that forced another reevaluation. And instead of feeling like, okay, this is impossible or I'll never be able to pay myself what I want or there's just no way to have a fashion business that is also eco-conscious and sustainable. She approached it from a creator leadership perspective. What if we throw all of this out? We start with the values. Those are our only constraints. Now, this exploration led her to finding a family-owned business in her native country, the country where all of her people had come from. These people find fabric and textiles and the way that they treat and produce these textiles is incredibly sustainable and involves multiple members of the local economy. And it really spoke to every single one of her values. Now, she would never have discovered this opportunity had she not placed this constraint that she is not willing to sacrifice her time, her health, or her employees' time and health, or the world's time and health in order to create a sustainable and successful business. Now, that is going to come at the expense of the delivery of some of her lines and products and ideas that she had. I mean, like every creative, she has a million thousand ideas about what she could produce. But by focusing on her business and her business models and the structures within which she was working, she had to take a step back. And so she announced that. She very much called out the expectation of fast fashion and there's constantly something new being announced and that there's all these new seasons from like resort wear to the holidays and all sorts of stuff that she just wasn't going to cater to and be beholden to in her own business. This also meant that she really had to like check herself on her own expectations. And what she realized is she was the one pushing so hard. She was the one that was almost willing to give up what was most important to her in order to make a profit. And so with that, she was able to once again, tune in, align with what mattered to her most and be a creative leader. So everything is changing. I mean, I don't need to say that. That is more than fucking obvious. From the great resignation to the climate crisis, we are we are being so inundated with change, even that can feel impossible. The creative leader understands that there will always and forever be change. So where can we create impact? Where can we really focus our time and energy so that we're able to both, like I said, Hold the space of what is and what will be. So a couple ways of doing this. Avoid process when you're in the innovative stage. So I talked a little bit about this in the last podcast with creative confidence. When you're in the ideation space, when you're brainstorming, when you're simply coming up with ideas, when you recognize there is a problem, there needs to be an update in the way this organization is thinking about or working with everything that it's doing. Throw out existing process. Do not be beholden to your existing rules. You might upset shareholders. You might upset stakeholders. You might not meet quarterly metrics. Just ignore that for a minute. And just really get curious and creative with what are we doing? How are we doing it? Go through some of those steps, those reframes, those action catalysts from the last podcast. They're fantastic ways to avoid what has been and the way we have been doing things in order to explore what could be. 
Secondly, throw spaghetti at the wall. <laughs> so sometimes when we're in this, this true radical reformation, this unwilding, we're not in a place where we can just completely retract from the world and like go into a dark cave. We still need to be working. And so in that, you are able to test strategies in real time. You can, again, use terms like beta launch or soft launch or prototype. This allows you to very openly and actively say, hey, we don't know if this is going to work, but we're willing to kind of try. So when you throw things at the wall, you're also going to see some stuff that are happening either within the way that you're thinking, kind of like I was talking about with that previous example with the client. You're going to see how you think and how you've been trained to respond, how your programming shows up, or if you are a business owner or working within a structure or a project team or whatever it may be, you're going to see the culture that you have built and fostered up until this point. So again, if you're throwing spaghetti at the wall, it's not all going to stick, right? Some of it's just going to immediately like roll down. I'm going to stop with the spaghetti analogy there, but you'll see very quickly where the blaming, shaming, and naming pops up. You will see if this is an organization or if you yourself are someone that uses punishment to provoke. And what I mean by that is if someone is making mistakes, if you are making mistakes and you're belittling yourself, you, you know, see the aforementioned name and blame and shaman, then you know, oh, this isn't a culture that fosters creativity and evolution. This is a culture, this is a fixed mindset culture. And we use problems to punish people rather than to reward someone for identifying an opportunity for change and evolution. If we are critical, if we are judgy, if there is a lot of gossip happening, this is also probably going to be a space where you don't feel like you have the support you need to be truly innovative. Innovation comes with challenging the status quo. Always asking, can this be better? Can this be easier? Can this be more efficient? Someone's probably going to feel called out and upset by that because what you're saying is maybe you're not doing a good enough job. And that's not a judgment call. That's continually reevaluating. If you have an organization or if you have people that you're working with that feel like that is a judgment call, check yourself. <laughs> that is most likely a result of the energy that you're approaching the situation with or the, again, the culture that you have created and fostered. This is an opportunity for change. This is going to kind of lead into the next two points, confidence. If people don't feel confident in their own ability to innovate, whether it's yourself or the people that are around you, yeah, guess what? You're going to have a pretty stagnant organization. I work with, you know, I'll often hear, I volunteer for um, the Small Business Association and the SCORE chapter in uh, Colorado. And when I'm dealing with some people who are stepping out startups or who are struggling with particular challenges or projects or even employees, you know, I'll hear that like, I can't do this or I don't know how to do that or I I suck at that. And the thing is, is that when you're not confident in your ability to change and to evolve, of course, you're going to stay stuck. Of course, you're going to avoid change. This is going to be a contagion across your entire organization, especially if you are the leader. So make sure that you are supporting people and building their confidence. And if you realize that someone feels really scared to bring up a new idea or to challenge an existing process, that is, again, another massive opportunity for you. Create whatever resources you need to coach, to support, to guide, to focus group, to, to brainstorm, to create camaraderie, like whatever that, that missing ingredient is that is going to yield increased confidence in the people that you're working with or in your own work. 
think about that. Ask yourself, how could I create an environment where people feel safe to share new ideas, weird ideas, where people feel even safer to call out existing concepts, processes, systems, even products or services or the ways that we're doing things so that they feel safe in doing that. I, a friend of mine was recently um, joined an organization and they decided that the languaging and just the organization as a whole was not as inclusive as it could be. And nowhere, you know, the organization talked a lot about inclusivity and diversification, but nowhere on the website was that called out specifically. Nowhere in their advertising, nowhere in their marketing, not even anywhere in like the various trainings and skills development programs they had. So she sent an email. This is a brand new employee, mind you. She'd been there for a couple of weeks. And within the month, all of those things have been addressed. There wasn't even a conversation about it. The up, the website was updated. A CDIO, chief development, yeah, CDIO was hired <laughs> and they created a, just an open forum to discuss how we can be better at diversity and inclusion in the organization. That is creative leadership. That is someone who is willing to admit, okay, there is, there's a gap here and we're willing to fill it and we don't even know how to do it. So let's just have an open forum about it. And in the interim, we're going to update the forward facing material so that at least the people that are engaging with our organization know this is a priority and we are working on it. The last thing that I want to say is growth mindset. So growth mindset, confidence, throwing spaghetti at the wall, avoiding process and innovation, these all kind of wrap in to wrap up and, and support each other. And the sense that like with a growth mindset, you're just simply open to change. You believe in change. You think outside of the box. And I don't need to advocate for thinking outside of the box in terms of creativity, but oftentimes in an organization or again, in any human group of people, you'll have someone that's like constantly spitting ideas out. And then you'll have someone else who is constantly, constantly criticizing those ideas and telling everybody why they won't work. Now, that can be harnessed and very useful. Having a naysayer, you know, having just a whole bunch of like obscenely optimistic people throwing spaghetti at the wall and thinking every single piece worked because like it created this really cool shape or like mess and we can use that. Obviously, that might get a little bit out of control. I totally revisited the spaghetti analogy. My bad. And it was bad. So, yeah. But, you know, this is where I talk about the energetic levels of leadership and not every idea is going to stick. Not every idea is going to be this disruptive piece of technology or solution or change maker. That's okay. But like shooting down every single idea before they've even had an opportunity to be explored, also not okay. So just be aware of our, our, do you have a growth mindset? Do you embrace a growth mindset? And importantly, are you hiring for a growth mindset? Creative leaders are willing to think about how they work and how that can be continually improved. They are focused on a new way of doing things. They celebrate what has been and they are completely willing to cut all ties and move on instantaneously. So with creative leaders, I think something that is worth discussing as well is like be willing to do the work you're called to do. Oftentimes, and especially in small business and entrepreneurship, we sign up for one thing and we find ourselves doing something completely different. Now, that might be awesome. That might also be not what you signed up for. Own that. If you find yourself getting to a place where you are totally disassociating from your work or from your people or from your team, or you find yourself just constantly putting out fires and you feel like you've gotten sucked into a space that is not where you want to be, 
stop. (laughs) Call it out. Be willing to not know all of the answers. And as soon as you discover a problem or an issue, bring that to the surface, bring that to the attention. That's how you create a culture that celebrates failure. So ask yourself, how can I get work done in a way that really supports me? Is this the work that I want to be doing? What am I willing to give up in order to get what we're truly trying to create here? And this is where I think values are a really, a really amazing filter. There's like a gajillion podcast episodes on that at this point. But using your values to create impactful change as things that will enable you to understand, am I in alignment with what I am doing and and is the organization in alignment with what it's committed to be doing? There's an interesting conversation. I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, Tim Ferriss just interviewed Mark Zuckerberg. And I'm a huge fan of Tim Ferriss. I have a lot of opinions on the Zuck. But uh, at minute 38, he gets into the value evaluation that he currently took Meta through. And what I think is fascinating about that is, is he's got, firstly, he's, his entire job right now is evaluating process to update it and or throw it out and or change it all together in order to meet the organization's changing values. Where are the processes holding us back? And that led to this values update. And one of the things that he said is, you know, <laughs> oftentimes, and I'm, I'm very much guilty of this, oftentimes we choose values that are not arguable like be excellent. Fucking duh. <laughs> like, are you seriously going to have an organization where you're like, eh, be oh, moderately okay. So he uses the example of invest in the future. And that might be something that people have opinions about, right? But it very importantly informs everything that happens at Meta to the point where they are prototyping and implementing all of the technological software, all the tech solutions and software solutions they are creating to figure out what the bugs are. Another value that they had was work fast. But what they realized is that they were creating so many errors and such a big mess and they're working fast that it ended up slowing them down in the long run. So just, I think, like some really interesting examples of both how values and creative leadership can absolutely inform the way that everything is happening in your organization, but also the changing role of your job as a leader. So I don't know, sometimes I feel like leadership can feel like martyrdom and we feel like beholden to very old, outdated paradigms and expectations. Like we have to dot, 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 and we should dot, dot, dot. And quite honestly, that's just not true or that is as true as you want it to be. So as a creative leader, you get to respond to your soul's calling. You get to create the job and the work that feels like your purpose here. Maybe it's just your purpose in this moment. Maybe it's just your purpose in this organization. I'm not saying that your job or your leadership or your business is going to fulfill everything that you need in life. But what I can, what I would say is that as a creative leader, you have a a very real opportunity to think differently about what you're doing and why you're doing it so that you can create the change in order to be successful. A really creative leader is looking at everything from a win-win-win perspective. This is an effective influencer, someone who views all relationships as partnerships, that every challenge is an opportunity, that success actually comes from synergy. Like, you know, we are greater than the sum of all parts. We, you know, we're, yeah, the idea that I can't do it all by myself. I wouldn't want to ever do it all by myself. And it is, in fact, in working with people 
and enabling those around me to also win, that we create something truly special, something that any one of us individually would not be able to do on our own. Now, the next level of leadership is someone who trusts and believes in what they're creating and are able to communicate that trust and that belief across all levels of the organization, or at least across all levels of your activity and everything that you're doing, so that even when you are embracing very chaotic change, you are pivoting in the face of uh, instantaneous chaos, you are able to inspire not just yourself, but everyone around you so that you can collectively work towards a much higher benefit and goal for all. I'm just going to leave it with that. I don't even know what I just said. <laughs> so thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. As per always, it is my greatest joy to create these I mean, quite frankly, I'm beginning to think of them as pieces of art. This is my art. And for you to witness it is just unbelievable to me. Definitely leave a like, leave a comment, leave a review, share this with somebody if you feel it might help, or send me feedback. I am so open to constructive feedback. I actually love getting criticism. It only helps me improve. And I don't know, sometimes all that positive feedback just feels like you're blowing sunshine up my skirt. So, you know, a little bit of real, real world, like, eh! Uh, is, is very, very welcomed. Uh, you can find me on socials at the BZ channel. You can get in touch with me. Hello at NicoleBZ.com. Sign up for the loop. That is my monthly recap on everything that fascinated me over the last few weeks, but it is also where I will announce any happenings, any workshops, any things that are coming up. There's always going to be something free, um, both on the YouTubes and Instagram uh, the first week of every month. I do a fun little workshop and I don't know, I'm teaching all sorts of master classes for a bunch of different people. It's exciting if you have any collaboration ideas or you want to synergize and create something really special. I am here for it. Thank you so much. I love you. Mm -hmm.